Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. You're listening to episode 65 of the show, and I'm your host, Mackenzie. I'm super glad that you're here today. Before we dive in for today's content, I want to take a second and thank a sponsor who is helping to make this show possible. Today's show is made possible by Redeemed with Purpose Jewelry. Redeemed with Purpose exists to raise awareness of the fact that more people are enslaved today and now more than ever, and to empower customers to make a difference through their shopping choices. When you purchase Redeemed, 50% of net proceeds are given away on your behalf to carefully chosen frontline charities devoted to redeeming lives. Use the link in the show notes to shop Redeemed with Purpose and use the code MackenzieN for 15% off. That's M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E-N for 15% off. All right, so for today's show, we are back with Erin for part two, talking all about responsible travel. Travel is something I always love talking about, and even though most of us can't do it right now, it's still fun to dream about and plan for the future. Something that I learned from Erin in this episode is that responsible travel isn't about checking items off of a list, it's about a mindset shift and committing yourself to lifelong learning. So even though you might not be able to travel right now, listening to this episode will help impact the way you travel when you are able to. In part one, Erin and I discussed lots of her tips for being more mindful tourists. We talked about things like diversity and being respectful of other cultures. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, please go back and do that first because there was lots of good content there. But today for part two, we're discussing more of the tips that she has for us and especially focusing on sustainability while traveling. Traveling can have a really big environmental impact, so we're chatting about a few ways to reduce that impact when you do travel. While you're listening, don't forget about leaving a rating and review for the show. Ratings and reviews help more people to find this podcast because they tell Apple Podcasts or whatever app you're listening on, hey, people really like this show. We should tell more people about it. Leaving a rating and review also helps people in need because I donate money for every review I receive. So, so many good reasons to do it. It only takes a few minutes to leave a review and you can do that while you're listening. And also subscribe to the show so that you know when the next episode is available. All right, friends, here is part two of my conversation with Erin talking about traveling responsibly. Okay, cool. I think this is number eight, stick to responsible wildlife tourism, which I feel like this, (laughs) immediately when I was reading this, I was thinking about Tiger King. (laughs) I'm sure you, I'm sure you were right. I'm sure you wrote this before Tiger King became popular, but that's like what popped in my mind. Yeah. So that's a clear example of what not to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Okay. So yeah. Why don't you first tell us, and if you've seen Tiger King, you already know, but tell us a little bit about how animals are being exploited in the wildlife industry. Yeah. So the worst culprit is hands-on encounters. So that would include Tiger King. Um, (laughs) These types of animal encounters are where you tend to see like issues of maltreatment and exploitation. So like to go with the Tiger King example, (laughs) they're clearly exploiting those tigers for financial gain. Right. Another good example I like to give is swimming with pigs in the Bahamas. This is something uh-huh. that actually like became a viral trend on Instagram. And uh-huh. as a result, that activity exploded in popularity. And pretty soon tourism was established around visiting these pigs. And uh-huh. that, of course, like changes the 
ecology of like the environment the pigs are living in like they went from just being wild pigs to having humans show up all the time and like trying to feed them and take photos with them right and that resulted in local concern for the well-being of the pigs because they started to find overfed and misfed pigs dead on beaches Mm. so I guess the bottom line is that when you interact with an animal in tourism whether it's swimming with a pig or visiting an elephant in a sanctuary that's another really popular one you're interacting with an animal that has been trained to interact with you and you have to be aware of that it's not natural for that animal to be interacting with you so like any kind of animal interaction like I know I haven't been to Thailand but I know like the elephant rides are really popular so like anything like that you would probably recommend staying away from yeah definitely elephant rides are like really they're really not good and actually the industry started shifting away from that now in Thailand and now they have like sanctuaries where you can't ride an elephant but you can like go up to them and feed them and interact them and Mm -hmm. I interviewed someone for my podcast about this Natasha Daly she is a journalist that covers this so she did a several years long trip investigating wildlife tourism and she was explaining Uh to us that like these sanctuaries they're not there's no like system for regulating them literally anywhere can just like say that they're a sanctuary so when you go and visit one you have no actual there's nothing to assure you that they are behaving like a sanctuary Mm. and the reality is if they're letting you interact with the animals they probably are not a proper sanctuary in the context that like an American or Canadian would expect okay and I think like this points to how wildlife tourism is a consumer driven industry yeah and that complicates things because like of course especially like in southeast asia they're responding to tourist demand visiting elephants is incredibly popular there and so if there is profit to be made people will engage with it so when i talked to natasha she explained that until tourists stop wanting interaction-based experiences the industry likely won't shift away from it yeah that makes sense so if you do want to do a wildlife experience, which I mean, I know for me, I'm an animal lover. So I'm always drawn to that kind of thing. Like, oh, you can swim with the dolphins or whatever. I'm like, that's so awesome. But like you said, it's, that's not natural. And like, I've, I've done that once before on a trip. And it actually just made me sad because I was like, oh, what a sad life for these dolphins. Why am I doing this? So I think, you know, you can really do your research beforehand and find out if it's a place you would want to support and, you know, keep business going to. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually also always encourage people to look at reviews. Reviews are such a good tool when you're booking like anything related to tourism. Yeah. I find like, for example, if you're looking at an elephant sanctuary, if you look at the reviews, you will learn what other tourists have seen there because if they've witnessed maltreatment, they will definitely write that in a review. Sure. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Second to last one, be sustainable while traveling, which Obviously, I love this one, and there's a lot to it, So, and there's probably even more that you didn't write down, but a few of the things that you had mentioned uh, were, one, water bottles. So what do you like to tell people about bringing their own water bottle and whatnot while they're traveling? Yeah, so... 
I I don't know about you, but like especially when I first started traveling, it was like definitely habit for me to just if I was thirsty, pop into a shop and buy a bottle of water. Right. And that eventually evolved into no, I'm gonna bring my own water bottle. So like especially when I was backpacking around Europe, I would just fill my bottle in the water taps. And at that point, like yeah. I feel like that was quite sustainable because I wasn't buying bottled water anymore. Yeah. But now I've upped the ante and I've uh-huh. gotten a water filtration system. And this is such an incredible tool, especially if you're traveling to places that are off the beaten track or where there isn't safe drinking water. Yeah. So I actually was gifted this from Grail and they're a company, I think they're actually based in Seattle and they make these filtration water bottles. Okay. They can be expensive initially to invest in, but they're really good for the environment and they'll save you money because you will not need to buy any water when traveling. And that's because all you have to do is like scoop water from a lake, from a river, from a tap, and then you can literally filter it right there. So so I've done whole camping trips like without having to bring any water because I just if I need water I'll walk over to the river over there and fill my water bottle and I'm good to go oh my gosh I'm obsessed with that that's so cool I want one even not for traveling just for having around because we're we're looking into buying like a nice filtration system for our house but I've been talking to the girl who's helping me with it and I'm like, so what do you do when you travel then? Because if you like are really into clean water, then you go to someone's house or whatever in a different part of the country and you might feel like, okay, this water is like, you know, I'm used to my clean and safe water. So what do you do? But this would solve that problem. That's really cool. Totally. And there's different brands. Like I use Grail, but there's also Life Straw. And if you look on Amazon now, there's like tons of different brands. Okay. So there's options out there depending on like what kind of money you have to invest into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sliding scale. Okay. That's cool. And does yours, do you like replace the filter every so often? Is that how it works? Yes. Okay. So I have not had to replace mine yet and I've been using it since I guess July. Oh wow. When I talked with them, they said like most people, obviously it depends on how much you're using it, but you can go like a solid three months if you're using it every day. All right. That's awesome. Really good to know. Okay. And then another point you made was bringing reusable items with you. So what what do you like to share there? Yeah, I just encourage people to bring like canvas bags. Sometimes I'll bring like Tupperware, for example, on travels because that way you can reduce the amount of bags that you need to take from a shop. So like say Uh you're shopping in in a market and you want to take some things instead of having the vendor give you a plastic bag you can just pull out that canvas bag that you had tucked away in your day pack right I also like to bring Tupperware just because like you eat out so much when you're traveling and if you have Tupperware on you you can just toss it in there and not have to waste any food it's an easy way to bring leftovers home with you yeah another tip I have is a reusable towel Mm mm-hmm Especially if you're staying in hostels, like there you can rent a towel. But if you just bring your own, it's so much easier and it's reusable. And if you're staying in a hotel and you bring your own, then you're not asking the hotel to, like usually they'll wash your towels every night. And if you can avoid having them do that, you're going to save on a lot of water. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any other things? Like I know obviously there's lots of zero waste items out there available now. Are there any other things that you've invested in so that you can reduce plastic while you're traveling? Like I know utensils and straws like that kind of stuff is really popular. Do you do any of that? Yep. 
Um, I've done the straws. I mean, honestly, I stopped using them because I just like don't use straws in general. Yeah. It's nice to have on hand, especially if you do tend to like straws. But in the end, I was like, "Mm, I'm not going to bother carrying this. Um, Utensils are definitely good to carry, especially if you're in a country where there's a lot of street food. Mm -hmm. The other things I love are zero waste toothpaste tablets. You can get them in little like glass containers and it's like a little bit heavier to carry traveling, but I use these at home and also while traveling. And I just love them because like you're saving all of that toothpaste tube from going into the landfill, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's a great idea. And then you don't have to worry about your liquids on on your flight or whatever. So Yeah, totally. Yeah, and you'd mentioned this too on the blog and I just wanted to point this out for anybody who's thinking like, okay, I'm not going abroad anytime soon, even for just like a night at the Holiday Inn or whatever, even if you're not going far, just thinking about things like keeping your towels rather than, like you said, having them change out your towels every night or bringing your own shampoo so you don't have to use all those mini toiletries that they offer, you know, even though they're free, but it's just so much plastic waste. I feel like when they replace those every time. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Another point you made for sustainability is reduce flying, which again, something I had never thought of, but it makes sense. So you said, try to reduce the flights you're taking. Can you talk about that or like other tips with flying if you do have to fly? Totally. So this was probably one of the hardest episodes I ever recorded of my podcast. (laughs) I recorded with a woman who um, she's actually Swedish and her name is Evelina Uderdahl and she committed to quit flying entirely. And that's because she started to educate herself about the impact of flying and it's really, really bad. And like, (laughs) you might not want to do it because it'll just be like so scary, but you can go <laughs> to a calculator online and punch in like all the flights you've taken in the last year and it will tell you how much CO2 you're responsible for because of your flights and it's really like it's oh, an no. eye-opening activity. Yeah. And so yeah, I had like a really lengthy discussion yeah. with her about the impact of flying and what we can do to mitigate that. And obviously, like it's not realistic for everyone to cut out flying entirely. Some of us need to fly to see family or fly to work. Yeah. There's people that come from other countries and need to go back home. Mm-hmm. There's refugees, like there's so many scenarios in which like not flying is just not feasible. But I think all of us can take some put some effort toward minimizing flying when possible. So one thing that she mentioned, and this is a good place to start, and this is actually something that I've committed to personally, and that's minimizing short haul flights. Okay. So I was like super guilty of flying from Toronto to Ottawa here in Canada because my parents live in Ottawa. I live in Toronto. It's a one hour flight. Sweet. So easy. Yeah, so easy. Um, So I used to do that all the time. And then I realized I'm, this is, this is generating so much more CO2 than it would if I just took a five-hour train ride. Oh, sure. And so I've committed to cutting out those short-haul flights entirely. And this applies, mm-hmm. like, not just at home, but when I'm traveling abroad, instead of, you know, like, taking that short-haul flight from Amsterdam to Paris, I'll commit to taking the train. And sure. that's, like, a really good way that we can all reduce our um, CO2 emissions. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like... 
that's another good thing to think about when, you know, you're at home, even if you're not thinking like of traveling in another country, but at home too, like you said. And it's also something I know actually when we did our trip, our month long trip, people had told us like, oh, you should look into flights because sometimes the flights are really cheap to go, you know, from this country to that country or whatever. And I never once looked at that because I was like, I do not want to deal with going to an airport in another country. And like that just sounded like such a hassle to me. And so we didn't even consider that. And we did trains the whole way through. And I really liked it. I, I thought riding the train was really fun. You could meet people so much more enjoyable. And so it makes me want to do it more often that way even like in my own country like I think riding the train is so fun (laughs) yeah totally totally and it's so much less stressful than flying yes exactly and then you also mentioned on their direct flights was something to be mindful of so avoiding what are they called avoiding connections when you can is that right (laughs) yeah so and like this relates back to talking about kind of how the industry is at fault here too because yeah they really incentivize you to buy flights with lots of connections because they tend to be a lot cheaper. But I would say like if you're able to afford it, pay the extra for a direct flight. And that's Mm -hmm. because the most CO2 is emitted when a plane takes off and when it lands. So the less amount of times you do that in transit, the better. So for example, like if I'm going to fly to Amsterdam, if I fly first to Washington and connect there, that's four times that the plane is going up and down. Whereas Mm -hmm. if I fly direct, that's twice. So that's actually a really actionable way that you can reduce the amount of CO2 when you go on a trip. Yeah, totally. And you said another one also is packing lightly, which again, something I'd never thought of. So how, how does packing lightly, that doesn't seem like it would make that much of a difference, but does it? I mean, people say conflicting things about this. Like in general, the thought is, okay, the more weight there is in a plane, the more it's going to need to emit in CO2 because it's requiring more energy to get that plane from point A to point B. Sure. So, I mean, this works better if like really everyone is committed to packing lightly. But I mean, it's something that I've adopted personally and I'm going to stick to it just because if I can have any kind of impact, I'd like to have it. Right. Absolutely. And again, something that just makes traveling easier when you are minimalistic and you're packing. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And it keeps you from buying too much stuff. (laughs) Totally. Okay. And then a couple other points with sustainability. Uh, You said mindful shopping, which is something I am really passionate about in general. But can you explain here how you can be mindful with your shopping habits no matter where you are? Totally. I think like it relates to a lot of the stuff we were talking about um, in terms of supporting local. Mm -hmm. So that would mean like when you're shopping for a souvenir, like make sure that you're buying from a local shop instead of a larger corporate shop. And you want to watch out for buying souvenirs that have been made in a foreign country, like foreign from the country you're actually visiting. This is something that a lot of people don't realize. But like, for example, if I'm going to use Amsterdam so many times as an example here. I don't know why I keep going back to it. But um, yeah, a lot of like the souvenirs you'll find there are actually made in China. Mm. So you want to make sure that you're supporting like souvenir items that are actually made locally. And this really, really makes a difference if you're in a country that's less developed. Mm-hmm. Sure. So how do you, how would you recommend people kind of find that out, whether it's with clothes or souvenirs? I know you said local shops, but I'm assuming local shops might also be selling (laughs) you know we've all been to those shops where it's a it's a tiny little shop but like everything kind of looks the same in it you know so how do you recommend finding those places 
you can usually so you can actually just look at the item you're buying a lot of the time it will actually like say right and that really applies to clothing like if you look on the inside tag that'll usually give you a good idea of whether it's been made locally or not yeah but I think the best way to do it is just like pop into actual artisan shops instead of the more like mainstream souvenir shops sure um that's usually your best bet for making sure that you're supporting local yeah Good idea. Okay, and we talked about planes versus trains, but we didn't mention bikes instead of cars or walking instead of cars. So where does that apply? I mean, do you feel like that comes with trying not to rent cars when you're traveling or what do you mean there exactly? Yeah, I mean, that's something I've applied like in my life at home as well. I don't actually have a car. I I ride my bike everywhere and I walk everywhere. And so that's something that I try to stick to when I'm traveling as well. Yeah. It can be very tempting to take cabs everywhere. Like, for example, my partner and I were in Mexico City, like right before the pandemic shut everything down. And like cabs were so cheap there. It was really hard for us to not be like, oh, let's just call an Uber like every time yeah. we needed to go somewhere <laughs> but we thought no right. okay let's really like try to walk and like take other forms of transit if we can just to reduce our impact and I think like yeah. it actually pays off because this meant that we often were on the subway and um, the Mexico City subway is really fun like it gives you a little insight into um, local life there and it's just a nice experience so I think reducing the amount you're relying on cars and like cabs while you're traveling is also really great because it gives you a great way to see a new place and just get a little more insight into local life. For sure. And and it's something that's I don't feel like it's that hard to do if you do your research ahead of time. Like a lot of places, I mean, especially bigger cities have like subway systems and easy transportation like that. Or like you said, obviously renting bikes and we love walking. We actually, when we were in Paris, we we start, oh my gosh, I, I couldn't tell you I want to say it was like 17,000 steps that we did in one day Ah. because we had read that a lot of times in Paris, the subway workers or the subway system, like they'll go on strike. And so we saw that like the subway stop was closed down because they were on strike or whatever. And we were like, okay, we're going to have to walk. I don't even know why we didn't consider, like, I don't even think we considered taking a cab. We were like just trying to do it super cheap. And we were like, we'll just walk. And that way we'll get to see the whole city. But it took like four hours. Like we were (laughs) walking forever and we had blisters on our feet just to get to our hotel. And then we found out later that the subway was actually running. It was just that one stop that was closed down. (laughs) So we could have taken the subway. But anyways, I say all that to say, for one, walking is really fun. I agree with you. But also, I feel like it's really easy to figure out easy ways to travel, whether it's, like you said, renting bikes or using public transportation or whatever and not needing to rent a car or take a taxi or anything like that if you just do a little research ahead of time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Okay, and last but not least, this is one I'm excited to ask about because I've never done a tour group before, Uh, but you mentioned eco-conscious tour groups. So I guess, first of all, what are those? Because, I mean, I know know what tour groups are, obviously, but what's an eco-conscious tour group and how do you find one? Yeah, eco-conscious tour groups are just tour groups that are committed to having as minimal of an impact as possible. And the best way to find them, honestly, is just to research. I personally have not actually been on one. I've just researched about them. But yeah, it's just about looking for companies that are 
labeled as eco-conscious, but then also doing the extra research to see what they're doing to support that. Uh-huh. So for example, like a lot of eco-conscious tour groups will say that they have a smaller group size um, because these are better. It's also good to look at whether they're locally owned and if they aren't, check if they're hiring local guides versus bringing in guides who aren't native to that country or destination. And then you can also look at what businesses they're supporting. So you want to see like, okay, are they supporting local hotels and local restaurants? And then other things you'll notice is like a lot of eco-conscious tour groups will actively encourage people on the tour to avoid bottled water and just little, little things Mm -hmm. like that. That sounds really cool. And you said on your blog too, I think if I remember this correctly, you were talking about how sometimes going with a tour group could even be better like less impactful than solo travel is that right and and how how so yeah this is because they can travel more nimbly so they reduce the strain on resources and they allow for more sustainable economic benefits to filter through to local economies Okay, that makes sense yeah that's something I'm gonna have to check out because that sounds actually really fun yeah actually one of I traveled in Costa Rica and I didn't do an eco-conscious tour, but I stayed in a lot of eco-conscious lodges and it was really Uh incredible because like every little detail you could tell that they had thought about, like even down to like the um, shampoo bottles that they had in your shower, Uh they weren't like throwaway. You could see like they're just going in and refilling these bottles. Yeah, that sounds so fun. Awesome. Okay, and then the last tip you have for people is to do your research and listen to the locals. So what kind of research do you recommend people do prior to traveling? And like you said, listen to the locals. So who should we look to be learning from? Yeah, I mean, I'll start by saying like, At least to me, I've always viewed travel as an amazing opportunity to learn because when we travel, like we're encountering new places, new people, new cultures and traditions. And I think that these experiences can be really, really important for helping us broaden our mindsets and just broaden our understanding of the world. So when it comes to research, I would say before traveling, research more than just the like top 10 places to visit. You know, the classic, like, if I'm going to Paris, give me the five best museums to visit in Paris. I would say like dedicate some time to researching your destination's history, research its food, its traditions, and more. And that's because knowing some history and some culture before you get there can inform your trip and it can help to make sense of what you encounter there. Uh And when you do start looking into the top 10 places articles, (laughs) I recommend looking for bloggers and influencers who are actually local to the region that you're traveling to for advice. Um, You find a lot in the blogger community that you'll have like an American living in Mexico City who says that they're like an expert on Mexico City, but instead you can support a Mexican blogger. Sure. Yeah, that's good too, because I feel like a lot of times when I've read travel blogs, it's like, okay, you went to this city once and you're saying like, these are the 20 things you have to do when you go there. And it's like, yeah, you're only saying that because those are the 20 things you did when you went there. Like, how do you know? You don't know what you don't know. Like, so how do you know that this thing that you didn't try isn't way cooler than this thing you're telling me to do. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and once you're on your trip, like you can continue the learning by talking with locals and listening to what they have to say. I find like that's where I tend to learn the most when I travel, just like asking questions to people that I encounter. 
Yes, I could not agree more. I think getting advice from locals while you're actually there is always really fun. And that way you can kind of tell people, you know, what you're looking for. And yeah, I don't know. There have been so many experiences I have even in the U.S. just saying like, oh, yeah, we're going here. And someone's like, oh, yeah, okay, I used to live there. I really recommend stopping off here on your way. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's awesome. Like, I wouldn't have known that otherwise. So that's really fun. All right. I feel like this might be a hard question for you because I know this is all, you know, you're very passionate about travel and doing so responsibly. But if you had to pick one main message, what would it be? I think it's really important to emphasize that traveling responsibly is personal. While we've outlined in this episode, I think like tons of great tips for traveling in a way that can have positive impact. Yeah. Um, by no means does every person have to practice all of these to be like, quote unquote, a responsible traveler. Right. It's really important that everyone find a way to travel that works for them. Yeah. The other thing I would note is that responsible travel really comes down to being open to learning and open to change. I don't think any of us can just check off a bunch of things on a list and like, there you go you're a responsible traveler. I think it's like I said at the top of this episode, it's about committing to an ongoing learning process. I can say that personally, like responsible travel has been a journey and it continues to be. And so I really encourage people to, if they want to travel responsibly or more responsibly, just open yourself up to learning. That's really good. I've really enjoyed learning from you and all these tips. And like you said, you don't necessarily have to do all of them. Like, don't try to implement them all at once. But, you know, next time you book a trip, maybe think about where you're doing your research ahead of time or going with the eco-conscious tour group. I like the idea of kind of just implementing them as you go and, and learning as you go. And if you listen to this, I feel like you're automatically going to be a little more mindful just having it in your mind as you travel. Totally. Okay, a few fun questions for you before I let you go. What's the most impactful book that you've read? Ooh, okay, recently. So this book is actually a show now, but I'm gonna, I'm talking specifically about the book. I read the book Little Fires Everywhere. Oh, it's okay. by Celeste Ng. Okay. And it tells the story and like the fates of a perfect family or like a seemingly perfect family. And it's just a really compelling drama. And it touches on like all these interesting issues like motherhood, adolescence, gender, race, ethics. Like it just touches on so much. And the show is really good as well. So I do recommend watching the show as well. Is that the one with Reese Witherspoon? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I would do both, honestly, like read the book and watch the show. Both are incredible. Yeah, I've heard really good things about the show, so I would imagine the book is even better. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, it's not a lengthy read. Like, I think I actually read it in one or two days. Oh, really? Okay, cool. I especially like to know books that are good for travel because, like, I mean, I love to read and especially, you know, I like nonfiction and thinking about, I guess, like, self-improvement and whatnot and all those things, but sometimes I'm like, I I don't want to read about that on the beach. Like I want yeah. to read something interesting or some kind of drama or something like that. Yeah. So <laughs> how about something you've listened to or watched recently that you think everybody should hear like podcasts or documentary, anything like that? Uh, yeah. Um, obviously I'm obsessed with podcasts. That's why I make one. Yeah. So I, I listen to a lot of them and right now I'm really obsessing over this show called You're Wrong About. 
Oh, okay. I haven't heard of it. In every episode, so there's two hosts, and in every episode, they reconsider a person or an event that has been misrepresented in the public imagination. Okay. And the episodes are like super research-based, but they're also really light and fun to listen to. Okay. So for example, like they did a, I think it was a three-part series telling the lifelong story of Princess Diana, and they just talk about like how the media impacted her life, like what was going on behind the scenes. They just give you so much context that tends to be left out of that story. Uh-huh. So yeah, and they touch on like tons of different subjects relating like back to late, late history and more recent events as well. Oh, that's really interesting. So was the one with Princess Diana, was it like the media really made her like a star, but there was some dark things that we didn't see? Or what was the idea there? They talk about like her relationship with the media, which I think okay. is what's interesting. Like they like I guess like not to get too into the weeds, but before she got divorced, she started talking with a member of the media to like have him write a story about the divorce. So they really oh. talk about like her relationship to the media and how she was manipulating it herself as well, which is something mm. like you're not really aware of just if you like read a Wikipedia page about her. I don't know. They treat right. it with like a lot of nuance and you start to like really understand who she was as a person in a more nuanced way, which I thought was super interesting. Oh yeah, that is interesting. They should do one on Christopher Columbus. <laughs> Have they done one on him yet? I don't know. I should ask them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to know. I want to know like, because you, you see people post about that all the time and I'm like, I want to know like specifics. I want to really know about his life. So <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, okay. How about a brand or a product that you can't keep your hands off lately? Mm, I would definitely I've already talked about it but the gray old water bottle yeah sure I'm trying to think like especially now that I'm homebound because we're in lockdown again here yeah. in Toronto so I'm just thinking what I've been obsessed with lately <laughs> it's probably food <laughs> of course <laughs> <laughs> I guess my instant pot I'm really obsessed with my instant pot right now oh yeah a lot of people are really into those what do you, what's your favorite thing to cook with that Oh, I just make like so many curries. I have like a really good cookbook of Indian curries. And so I've been making like the classics like butter chicken and palak paneer. And Instant Pot is great for that because you just like dump everything in and hit start and you're good to go. Very fun. So I wanted to ask, you obviously just mentioned you guys are back in lockdown, but do you have any travel plans in the near future or are you waiting to see what happens or what's your idea with traveling right now? Right now, definitely not. Yeah, the pandemic is really, really bad where we live right now. And so we just okay. feel like it's more responsible for us to stay home. So that's what we're doing. We, yeah. yeah, it's been a tough year. Like we canceled a lot of trips this year, obviously. Yep. So we haven't traveled like internationally since March. The only thing we've done is oh. like some camping trips just within our own province here in Ontario. So I don't know, like we're not planning anything concretely. I guess it will depend on a few things like, yeah, like how the pandemic improves throughout the summer, whether there's vaccine access. So depending on all of that, um, we'll probably reassess in the summer to see if we can fit in something international. And if not, I think we'll travel like around Ontario throughout the summer. Yeah. But um, our next bucket list is to go back to India. We had that planned for April last year, which we had to cancel. So as soon as it's safe, we will rebook that trip. And then 
We've also been talking about going to Iceland just because we think like during the pandemic, that's probably the safest place we could go. Sure. Because we can fly there directly and quarantine when we arrive and just do all the testing. And then um, our plan would be to rent a van and just like live in the van the entire time we're there. Minimize like contact with other people. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm not sure we're, we might end up being too scared to do it. So. Yeah, (laughs) I understand that. That sounds so fun, though. And yeah, I mean, I kind of feel bad recording this when most of us cannot travel right now. (laughs) But I'm like, you know, hopefully, maybe later this year or whatever, like, at least you can get to planning, you know, your next trip. Sometimes it's helpful to just know that it's coming, hopefully, in the not so distant future. (laughs) So, so yeah, no, we've been recording our podcast, which obviously is all about travel. And my producer and I just like we hear from our listeners so often that like if they can't be traveling it's at least nice to talk about it yeah. and hear about it and just like draw inspiration right. to plan for future travels right remember that it's not too far away even to like you said you guys have been camping and it's it's a good chance to explore places around you that you might normally overlook so um, I've been all about the road trips lately (laughs) yeah me too I actually like it makes me feel kind of bad because I think like oh I'm a travel blogger and I had like so little experience just like traveling around my own province so I mean if there's like a silver lining to this it's that I've definitely learned much more about my home province which I'm super grateful for yeah totally okay how can people find you if they want to connect with you or learn more or you know listen to your podcast where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm on all social media platforms, including Instagram and TikTok. And you just look up at Pina Travels. Okay. And also visit my website, which is pinatravels.com. And then if you'd like to listen to the podcast, it's called Alpaca My Bags. And you can listen to it wherever you get your podcast. Just search Alpaca My Bags. Perfect. Well, Erin, thank you so much for your time, for educating us about responsible travel. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was something that I knew I wanted to learn more about myself. And you've given us plenty of time before our next trips for most of us to think about how we can do so responsibly. So yeah, thank you for sharing. Awesome. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Well, I doubt it was news to any of you, but Tiger King is not exactly an ethical travel experience, so let's not base our travels off of what we saw there. I loved all the tips that Erin shared today. So many of them were things that I had never thought of before, like taking direct flights over having layovers. Who knew that it had the potential to have such an impact on our environment? If you want to view all of Erin's tips and read about them more, make sure you check out the blog post that she wrote specifically on this topic, and that's linked in the show notes, along with everything else we referenced today, including the link to shop Redeemed with Purpose jewelry. Again, you can get 15% off your total purchase when you use my code MackenzieN, so go check out that site and make sure you order now if you're looking for something for Valentine's Day, either for that special someone or maybe just a little Valentine's gift for yourself. Don't forget about leaving a rating and review for the show and also subscribing. Subscribing to the show is free. It just takes the click of one button on whatever app you're listening on, and that way you'll get every new episode that's available from the Enlighten Me podcast. 
Next week, my friend Bethany will be on the show, and it is always so fun to have my actual friends on. I love doing that, and we're talking about something that's been super interesting for me to learn about, and it may be a bit controversial even. We are discussing MLMs, that's multi-level marketing companies, so subscribe to the show so that you know when that episode is available. That will be out next week. Thank you again so much for tuning in, and until next time, remember to reduce your environmental impact wherever you can. Listen to locals when you do your research for your next trip and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out.